0: good morning welcome to each one here this morning morning. recently i've been impressed again and again by the centrality of god's goodness i know we had a sermon not too long ago about um god being good and and i think that that really um Maybe all of our sermons are based around that fact that God is good. If we truly believe in a good God and a good creation, it changes the way we view the world. And everything that happens in that world. This morning, my sermon is a testament to the goodness of God. In 1 Kings 17, we find a story of a widow and her son. Living not far from the Mediterranean Sea, um, in the area of uh, up the coast from Tyre near near Sidon, a famine had hit the land. And this widow felt that the end was near for her and her son. As she collected six to make that final meal, a stranger asked her for food. Despite her situation, she invited the stranger to share their final meal. And that stranger, Elijah, would be the means of God's salvation for her and her son. Not just to survive the famine, but also to raise her son from the dead. As Jesus points out in Luke 4, there were many other widows in Israel at this time. And yet, Elijah came to a widow in Zarephath. Most likely a non-Jew. And there Elijah demonstrated God's care. God, through Elijah, demonstrated his care for the widow, the fatherless, and the stranger. My sermon title this morning is Alien, Orphan, Widow. God has a very particular interest in the alien, the orphan, and the widow. And he he recognizes, we we should recognize, that in a world where everyone is trying to reach the top, whether it's uh, politically or economically, these three groups will not be able to compete, will not be able to take care of themselves. In fact, they'll be used by others trying to attain, um, trying to reach the top. God further recognizes that dealing with loss, with alienation, exclusion, Loneliness, being uncared for, being unheard, that drives people away from a recognition of a good God. The prophets in the Jewish scriptures and, and the apostles and evangelists of the new covenant unite to call God's people to recognize that God's care, God's love, his working is not isolated to or for a select few. We could look at many of the prophets that have pointed this out. Habakkuk is only one of them. Paul expands on this. God desires to bring all people to himself. This idea goes the whole way back to Abraham. God wants to take care of everyone. God wants to call all people to himself. Throughout Deuteronomy, we see... God reminding his people again and again and again, I want to take care of all people. In order to impress on you just how much our God cares about the alien, the orphan, and the widow, we're going to spend a good portion of our time this morning looking at passages in Scripture. You'll notice sometimes that the poor are thrown into this this mixture as well. God God obviously cares about them, and and sometimes probably, um, the poor can be um, these one of these three as well. Now, as we look at the words that I've chosen this morning, um, alien is is a term that's used occasionally. Uh, depending on the translation you use, it's used uh, most of the time. Um, uh, I think in the New King James, it's most often used uh, as stranger. Um, I think some other other, uh, translations say foreigner or sojourner. Um, I'm going to be referring to them as alien this morning. Orphan, often in our scripture, is referred to as the fatherless. And uh, widow is generally um, used across the board for, uh, for widows. So I'd like to have a few volunteers uh, read some passages. I'm going to uh, say the passage, and if you'd be willing to uh, read that at some point during this morning's sermon, uh, just call that back out to me. And um, the first passage is Job 29, 11 to 17. Job 29, to 17. Thank you. Job 31, 16 to 23. Thank you. Exodus twenty two, twenty one to twenty four. twenty two, twenty one to twenty four. Thank you. Leviticus nineteen, nine to ten. Leviticus nineteen, nine to ten. <coughs> Deuteronomy twenty four, fourteen to twenty two. Thank you. Deuteronomy thirty-one, eleven to thirteen. 11 to Thank you. Psalm ten, fourteen to eighteen. And finally, Psalm 94, 1 to 7. Psalm ninety-four, one to seven. Thank you. And feel free to read that in whatever translation you have. I will have uh, parts of the passages up here on the screen uh, so that you can follow along. It's easier probably to see it and to hear it side by side, Um, so we'll try to do that here this morning. So uh, for the first passage, uh, Job 29, 11 to 17. for joy. I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. I was eyes to the blind and I was feet to the lame. I was a father to the poor and I searched out the case that I did not know. I broke the fangs of the wicked and plucked the victim from his teeth. Thank you. Job recognizes that these thank you that these people are valued by God. And he recognizes that he is responsible to help, deliver the poor, the fatherless, the one who had no helper, cause the widow's heart to sing for joy. He is claiming, I've been doing this. And so this is all part of his, his quest to understand what's happening in his life. But he says, I've been doing this. I recognize that these are things that you value. These are things that God wants him to do. Job 31 continues this. Go ahead with that passage. If I have withheld the poor from their desire, or have caused the eyes of the widow to fail, or have eaten my morsel myself alone, and the fatherless have not eaten up thereof; for my youth he was brought up with me, as with the father, and I have guided her from my mother's womb. If I have seen any perish for one to clothing, or any poor without covering, if his loins have not blessed me, and if he were not worn with the fleece of my sheep, if I have lifted up my hand against the fatherless, when I saw my help at the gate, then let mine arm fall from my shoulder blade, and mine arm be broken from the bone, for destruction from God is a terror me, to me." And by reason of his highness, I could not endure. Thank you. Here again, Job is saying, if I hadn't done these things, if I hadn't taken care, or if I don't take care of the fatherless, and the poor, and the widow, then I deserve punishment. Let my arm fall off, or something like that? He recognizes that these are important things. These are important to God. Exodus chapter 22, 21 to 24. Exodus 22. You shall neither mistreat a stranger nor oppress them, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If you afflict them in any way, and they cry at all to me, I will surely hear their cry. And my wrath will become hot, and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives shall be widows, and your children fatherless. Thank you. This is a pretty definitive uh, command. You shall neither mistreat a stranger nor oppress him. Why? Because you were strangers once in the land of Egypt. You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. And if you do so... You're going to die by the sword. Your wife will be a widow. Your children fatherless. God values the widow, the orphan, and the alien. Leviticus 19:9 9 and 10. your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. Thank you. When we hear this passage, our minds probably go immediately to to Ruth, and we'll get to Ruth after a bit. Um, But God had designed their economic system, their agricultural system, so that the widows could be cared for. Later on in Leviticus 19, uh, verses 33 and 34, And if a stranger dwells with you in your land, you shall not mistreat him. The stranger who dwells among you shall be to you as one born among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God, the alien, the orphan, and the widow. God has made provision in Exodus, in Leviticus. We see the recognition of that in Job. Now we move to Deuteronomy. I'm going to read this passage from Deuteronomy 10, verses 12 to 22. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and love him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes, which I am commanding you today for your good? Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and earth the highest heavens, the earth and all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his affection on your fathers to love them, and he chose their descendants after them, you over all the other peoples, as it is this day. So circumcise your heart and do not stiffen your neck any longer, for the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who does not show partiality nor take a bribe. He executes justice for the orphan and the widow, and, and shows his love for the stranger by giving him food and clothing. So show your love for the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and cling to him, and you shall swear by his name. He is your glory, and he is your God." who has done these great and awesome things for you, which your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 persons in all, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of the heaven. I believe that's a beautiful passage there, bringing together um, a reminder of what God had told them in Exodus already, um, but then um, demonstrating his love again for the alien, the orphan, and the widow. He executes justice for the orphan and the widow, and shows his love for the stranger by giving him food and clothing. So, so show your love for the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. A few passages thrown in here that um, I just put on the screen that we're not reading the uh, much more than this. Uh, Deuteronomy fourteen uh, talks about a third year tithe. Um, in verse 29, it says, and the, and the Levite, because he has no portion nor inheritance with you, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow who are within your gates may come and eat and be satisfied, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hand which you do. And here he includes the Levite in that, um, in that list as well. People who um, you're supposed to be providing for, in essence. Uh, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. Uh, I believe somebody has Deuteronomy 24:14 to 22. Sounds a bit repetitive, right? Deuteronomy is about remembering. And God wanted to make sure that his people remembered that. You shall not pervert justice due to the stranger or the fatherless, nor take a widow's garment as a pledge. It seems like that was something that was expected. You would give your garment as a pledge. Well, don't even give her the benefit of the doubt. Don't even require that. You shall remember that you were not only a stranger in Egypt, but you were a slave in Egypt, and the Lord redeemed you from there. Remember where you came from. Deuteronomy 26, when you have finished, and this is the, that third year tithe again, a repeat, then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house and, is, and also have given them to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, According to all your commandments which you have commanded me, I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. Deuteronomy 27. Cursed is the one who perverts justice due to the stranger, the fatherless, and widow. And all the people shall say, Amen. Deuteronomy 31, verses 11 to 13. Thank you. This one is primarily talking about the stranger. Include the stranger in your gatherings. Let them be a part of hearing God's law and God's commandments and the words, uh, like it says there, and carefully observe all the words of this law. Psalm 10, 14 to 18. Thank you. Helper of the fatherless to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed. Uh, I've got a few other psalms here as well. Psalm 68.5. A father, uh, this is talking about God, a father of the fatherless, a defender of the widows, is God in his holy habitation. Psalm 82.3. Defend the the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. And I think this, uh, I'd have to double check this, but I think this is actually uh, the psalmist calling to God to do this. Um, um, Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. This is who you are. Psalm 94 verses 1 to 7. Thank you. This is how the wicked act. They slay the widow and the stranger and murder the fatherless. Later on, uh, Psalm 94 will recognize that the Lord is our defense. The Lord is the rock of our refuge. He will not, um, he, he desires to defend the widow, the stranger, and the fatherless. Psalm 146, 9. The Lord watches over the strangers. He relieves the fatherless and widow, but the way of the wicked he turns upside down. We can jump from there to Isaiah chapter 1, 17. Learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. Jeremiah 7, 5 through 7. For if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, or walk after other gods to your hurt, then I will cause you to dwell in this place in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. If you do this, blessing will be yours. Jeremiah 22, 3, Thus says the Lord, Execute judgment and righteousness and deliver the plundered out of the hand of the oppressor. Do no wrong and do no violence to the stranger, the fatherless, or the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. I think um, later on, basically, it says, if you do no wrong, if you if you do what he's saying here, you're going to have good, mighty kings like David coming through these gates into, into Jerusalem. If you don't, this house, and he's talking about Jerusalem, will become a desolation. Ezekiel 22, also talking about the sins of Jerusalem. Look, the princes of Israel, each one has used his power to shed blood in you. In you they have made light of father and mother. In your midst they have oppressed the stranger. In you they have mistreated the fatherless and the widow. And because of that... God says that he will scatter them and remove their filthiness. Zechariah 7, 9, and 10. Execute true justice. Show mercy and compassion, everyone to his brother. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor. Let none of of you plan evil in his heart against his brother. And if they refuse to listen, uh, actually, I think he says they refuse to listen, um, and therefore great wrath would come from God. Malachi 3, verse 5. And I will come near near you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against sorcerers, against adulterers, against perjurers, against those who exploit wage earners and widows and orphans, and against those who turn away an alien, because they do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. Getting categorized with sorcerers and adulterers and perjurers. God cares about the alien, the orphan, and the widow. We see this reinforced again in the New Testament we look at James, James 1, 27, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. That word for, um, for orphans there, I think King James uses fatherless. Um, that word is a Greek word um, that's only used one other time in, in the New Testament. And it's in John 14, 18, where Jesus says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you fatherless, in essence. Um, and so I think it's important to recognize um, that correlation between um, the orphans and those who need comfort. We see this mirrored in the uh, throughout Jesus' teaching, whether it's in the Sermon on the Mount with the poor in spirit and those who mourn uh, being comforted, whether it's in his teaching in Matthew 25 about Inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of these, you have done it unto me. We talked about Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. We see um, God also providing for a widow through the through the ministry of Elisha and the never-ending oil. Um, we see Jesus talking about a widow and her two mites and how that kind of trust, that kind of faith is um, above anything that he has seen. Um, from the the Jewish leaders. In Acts six, in Acts six, we see that the early church recognized the need to care for the widows as well, and their appointment of of seven men, seven deacons, to take over that role. Perhaps I've been a bit repetitive this morning but hopefully it's driven at home. God defends the defenseless. God provides for the neglected. God welcomes the outcasts. God loves the underdog. God has always sought to make room among his people for the aliens, the orphans, and the widows. Should we do any less? You may have noticed that of all the places in scripture where the plight of the alien orphan and widow are addressed, Deuteronomy Deuteronomy constantly and consistently calls the people of Israel back to remembering their own time in Egypt. Their own time when they were underneath, when they needed help. And to treat others in need with the utmost care and love. It's interesting, then, that biblically close to Deuteronomy we find the story of Ruth. Ruth is an, is an example of an alien, an orphan, and a widow that God desires to redeem and bring into the assembly of God. Now, I'm not, I, don't, I don't have time to go through the whole story of Ruth. I'm sure we, we know it well. Um, she was an, an alien to Israel. She was a stranger. Um, in fact, um, I think Deuteronomy 23 talks about Moabites, Um, weren't supposed to join the assembly of God down to the 10th generation, I believe it says. Now, we know that that doesn't necessarily apply to uh, Ruth in her situation. Um, Generally, that that would probably refer more to the males than the females. In a paternal society, she married into a fatherless family. She basically became fatherless as she uh, married um, orphaned sons. And ultimately, she became a widow. And yet, she chose to return to Israel where she really didn't have a future as an alien, an orphan, and a widow. And yet, we know that God had established a way for widows to be cared for. And a way for Ruth, as an alien, orphan, and a widow, to be redeemed. And Boaz became that righteous kinsman redeemer. We too have a righteous kinsman redeemer in Jesus Christ. Regardless of where we come from, regardless of whether we are alien, orphan, or widow, we are redeemed into the family of God by Jesus Christ. Ruth's story, we know, goes on. She becomes the great-grandmother of David and becomes part of the ancestry of Jesus Christ. So as I look at this um topic this morning. I've worked it out into four messages, four uh points, four conclusions that I'd like us to think about. The first well I'm not sure exactly who qualifies as a stranger. Um we have a lot of people from a lot of different cultures in our church and we have um we have plenty of visitors um I think in Deuteronomy, generally, it would have been referring to uh, those who are non-Jew, those who are not a part of the assembly. Um, so I'm not exactly who qualifies in our context. But I also realize that we don't have just a lot of, of orphans and widows um, here in our midst this morning. So perhaps the message for us who don't fit that uh, definition is that we should treat the aliens, the orphans, and the widows that we meet with the utmost love and care, recognizing that that is the love and care of God. God places a value on all people, and we should treat them accordingly. However, perhaps there are some listening who uh, do fit the category of alien, orphan, and widow, and the message for you is, I think, very plain. God loves you. God desires to provide for you and defend you. You are highly valued by our good God. God is making, has made a, a way for you, a place for you in his family. The third message is perhaps a reminder to ourselves as well. Just like God kept telling the children of Israel, You once were strangers. We need to remember that we were once spiritually aliens, fatherless, and husbandless, and God has brought us out of that darkness to the light of his love. Before we came to God, our Father, we were fatherless. We were orphans. Before we as a church, the Bride of Christ, found our bridegroom, Our kinsman redeemer, we were without a husband. We were unheard. Before we found our identity in Christ, we were aliens and strangers from the life and the love of God. God has brought us to himself through the redemption of Jesus Christ. I'd like to drive this message home in, in one other way, and I, <clears throat> I want to make sure that this doesn't take away from the, real, the very real plight and needs of those who are widowed, orphaned, and strangers. But I want us to recognize that we and others around us can also perhaps, perhaps fit that classification in other ways. If you follow the Hebrew word uh, for widow back to its root, it means to be bound or to be tongue-tied to be dumb or put to silence, which indicates somebody who is unheard or perhaps misunderstood or unspoken for. Widows can be those among us who don't have people to talk to or perhaps for some reason feel isolated from their spouses. Widows can be those who don't have anyone to speak for them. Widows are those acquainted with grief and loss. There are several different words used for the fatherless. Um, The one used most primarily uh, throughout the passages we looked at this morning goes back to a root that means lonely. Orphans are lonely. Orphans are those who cannot provide or care for themselves. Orphans are those who have no one to stick up for them. They may lack training or teaching. They are comfortless and companionless. Aliens or strangers and foreigners are those who feel excluded from the group. They feel like they don't fit in or don't belong because of culture or beliefs or language or could be any number of other reasons. They feel alienated from others and therefore from God. They feel like something is missing within them and they just don't measure up. Perhaps they even have trouble finding their own identity and their own security. So even if we don't come into contact with people who are physically alien, orphan, and widow, we do meet those who need to be heard. We do meet those who need someone to speak for them. We do meet those who have experienced loss and grief. Will you take the time to do that? We do meet those who are lonely and comfortless. We do meet those who cannot provide or care for themselves. And we do meet those who feel alienated and excluded. We do meet those in search of identity and security. Are you ready to value these people enough to meet these needs? I'm sure that we can all recognize times when we fit at least one of these descriptions or characteristics. The message of God then is, I love you. I will provide for you. And while we experience this love, we turn and we give that gift to those around us. We can be the vessels of God who hear and comfort, who provide care and security, who provide identity as children of God, who welcome and validate the aliens, the orphans, and the widows around us. May God help us to value what he values as we grow up into him in all things. Let's kneel for prayer.